had a heart attack last year, but that was just a blessing. It was so, everything in it was exactly what we needed, so thank you very much. We've been part of the Elam Church for many years and followed the progress of this church right from the beginning. So that's been good. We've been praying for you and just a thrill to be here. Wendy, my wife, sends her apologies. She can't be with us today. She'd love to be here, but our daughter's just had some surgery on her knee and needs a bit of TLC, as mothers can only give. Yes, I've got a few books uh, down the back. Uh, one of the things I do at the moment is, is a bit of writing. So there's a book down there from five years ago when I had a heart attack. So it's called Heart Attack, Seven Lessons from a Near-Death Experience, which was me. So it's my story. There's some other things there, some foundation stuff, a series on the Holy Spirit that we did. And uh, my latest book's called Brief Word, A Collection. Uh, I send an email out around the world every month or so, and that's a collection of the first 40. So you're most welcome to... Uh, have a look at that. There's also some free stuff, so it's not all pay. So it, it is a, just a great blessing to be here. I'd just like to start with a little story. This mother was tucking her baby boy or young son into bed one night, and it was a raging thunderstorm, lightning, and a very scary storm for a young boy. And he asked with a little tremor in his voice, he says, Mummy, will you sleep with me tonight? And she gave him a big reassuring hug, as only mums can do. And she said, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. And the silence was broken by his little voice that said, the big sissy. <laughs> I can assure you that God is not a sissy. I want to talk to you today about, oh, the security of Father. And my reading is from Matthew 4. Let's just... Uh, uh, open in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Father. We thank you that you are the great I Am, that you're here with us right now. Thank you that you've invited us into your presence, and we gladly come to worship and connect with you. Holy Spirit, you are the counselor and our teacher. Be that among us, I pray today. Heavenly Father, less of me, more of him. Pray it open our hearts and minds and equip us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. One of my health challenges is I've got a bit of a shake. And uh, so if you excuse me if I put my left hand in my pocket, it just holds it there out of trouble. One of Paul's common openings in his letters, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of his letters starts like that. And so today I want to talk to you about sonship and daughtership, although it's not a gender issue. We're, we're all one in Christ Jesus, Paul said to the Galatians. But there's a few verses in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? Interesting there that John the Baptist knew exactly who Jesus was. At that point, he'd, also, he'd already said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But in Matthew chapter 11, he says, he sends some of his staff to Jesus and says, Are you the coming one, or shall we look for another? He was in prison at that point. It's just the lesson there is circumstances can sometimes change how we perceive the truth. Very, very sad verse in that fact in Matthew 11. Anyway. Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us 
to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. Wow. Jesus had come from heaven, and then he has the heavens open to him while he's on earth. That's a great picture in itself. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Suddenly, verse 17, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Wow. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So I've got three main points in my message this morning, like a good preacher. First one is the record of confirmation. Here we have the Father booming from heaven some very important things. It was a public it was a heavenly, it was an authorized, it was a Holy Spirit revelation declaration of the total love and care the Father had for the Son. But Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't fulfilled his purpose yet of the cross, but he hadn't fulfilled his ministry on earth yet. He'd just been the son of his natural father, making chairs and tables and furniture. He hadn't done anything yet, but he hadn't raised any dead, healed any sick, cast any devils, water to wine, all that stuff. He hadn't done that yet, but the Father couldn't help but burst over the portals of heaven and shout out for all to hear, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It's an echo of the Old Testament where we read everything God made was very good. Notice it says there, in whom I am well pleased, not with whom. As parents, we are pleased with our kids when they behave. And, be, and their, their actions are right, and then we're pleased with them. That's a, that's a pleasure based on action. But God says here, pleased in you. First of all, he's pleased with Jesus' identity. Identity always comes before activity. Oh, the security of Father. It's a place where we don't have to strive or struggle or strain or, or anything. What comes to mind in your mind this morning when the word Father is mentioned? Over the years of ministry, it's tragic sometimes. We can have all sorts of different fathers, absentee fathers, failed fathers, abusive fathers, part-time, addicted, seasonal fathers, never-to-be-trusted fathers, performance-based fathers. Maybe that's your experience, but my experience was not that. I had a great father. I had the best father, a perfect father in the sense of an earthly example. But whatever situation, those things leave an imprint upon the heart and they launch us into life. The negative things set us up for uh, fear and insecurity and imbalance and if we're not dealt properly, can affect our behavior and mental health. And I'm talking to you today about mental health as well. They have a lot to do with our connection and a relationship with our Heavenly Father, be they good or bad. But has anybody ever said this to you? This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. I, I, sometimes I just wish I could hug people and get them this revelation about how much God the Father just loves on us and cares for us and accepts us. He's not angry with us. He just wants to love on us. He just wants to love on us. Over in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus answers, asks a very interesting question. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I mean, talk about an open book question. 
We wish we all had the, example, the answers on our exams, don't we? But Jesus gives the answer right there. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, verse 17. We need a revelation of who Jesus is. That sorts out our eternal destiny. We need a revelation of who we are in him. That sorts out our earthly destiny. And God's concerned about both, your earthly destiny and your heavenly destiny. And your revelation, your understanding of who Jesus is and your understanding of who you and I are in him sorts out those things. But where do we get our identity messages from? Who tells you who you are? Who tells you who you are? Is it achievements, things you've done? Is it behavior, what you do? Is it approval or disapproval? Is it appearance, how we look? Is that, sort of how, is that our identity? It is for some. Is it the things we possess? Or is it relationships? You know, it's who you know. Oh, the security of Father. And I can honestly say that through some of my health challenges, it seemed that I lost a lot. I lost my job, my ministry, my future that I thought I had. Lost, that was pretty much everything I lived for over the, for a few years. But I've realized that I've got much more than those things. This truth, this revelation that God is my Father is even more so real to me today. Oh, the security of Father. If we don't have this revelation, the record of confirmation that somebody has said to you, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, if that doesn't come, we have what we can call an orphan spirit. And that's my number two point. The results of an orphan spirit. And we go over to Matthew chapter 4, back to Matthew chapter 4. And we read there about the temptation of Jesus, how he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so I won't take too much time here, but just a couple of phrases that the enemy says. Verse 3, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Then he says down in verse 6, he said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Echoes again from the Old Testament Garden of Eden where he says, has God said? If you are the Son of God, the very last words that God the Father spoke to Jesus were the very words that the enemy tested and challenged in the wilderness. The very first thing that the devil challenged was the identity of Jesus, who he was. He hadn't started his ministry and hadn't done anything for which he was to be known for. If the devil can attempt to steal the identity of Jesus then you can be sure he will try with us to steal our identity. And this is the greatest theft ever of identity, of who we are. The theft of sonship and daughtership, a disconnection from the father, the theft of identity, and it's, it's happening. You know what I mean by that? In, in the physical realm, some people's identity is literally stolen. But there's a greater identity in the, in the spiritual and the emotional world of who you are and who you see yourself as. The devil's out to steal that from you. Without a proper father figure in our lives, we can grow up with this orphan spirit. An orphan spirit is someone who has been deprived for whatever reasons of a proper parental love and care. Without a sense of identity, 
but you don't have to be like that. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to function like that. Maybe you or someone you know has been like that, deprived of proper parental love and care. Oh, we need the revelation of our sonship and our daughtership. Oh, the security of father. We turn now to Luke chapter 15. And it's the story of three lost things, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Familiar parable to many of us, and unlike most parables, this one has multiple meanings. It has more than one lesson. It's a story about sinners coming to God, yes, but it's about sonship, it's about daughtership, it's about fatherhood. You know the story, a father has two sons, one of his sons says, Dad, give me my inheritance, which you could do in those days, and off he goes and lives his own life, uh, what we call prodigal living. He was living for himself. He was squandering and debauched living. And he, he uses up all his father's inheritance that he had. And he comes to himself. And we pick up the story in verse 18 of Luke 15. He says, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned before heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Man, we could spend a week on those two verses. <laughs> There's some, some things there that are involved in our coming to God. We've got to move. I will arise and go to my Father. We've got to do something when we come to God. He comes to us, but we've got to move too. And he says, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. True, he had. When we've sinned, best thing, put a hand up, say, it's me, Lord, forgive me. I'm the sinner. Forgive me, and I receive your forgiveness. Then he says, I've sinned before heaven and before you, and I will, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Right there is the orphan spirit. He says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Do you feel that before God sometimes? Have I felt like that? Yes. And then he says, make me like one of your hired servants. But then in verse 20, he arose and came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck, as they did in those days, and kissed him. This is the, the attributes of father, of father God and of good natural fathers. And when he, he rose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, some of us might have been a great way off from God. We realize that, but God the father sees it says, when he was a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the greatest example of that is the cross of Jesus Christ. God running down history and Jesus dying on the cross. That's how far God has gone to save you and me. That's a, the extent of his compassion for it, which is limitless, that he would send Jesus to die on the cross for us. He saw us from afar, sent Jesus ran towards us. That's the attributes of a father. Wow. But notice in verse, in verse uh, 19, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. There we, we've mentioned that's the orphan spirit. Then he says here, make me like one of your hired servants. There's, many, there's different types of employment. You can be the boss or the manager, and you call the shots. You can be an employee, and you're on permanent staff. Or you can be a contractor who is just for there for a certain time. And it's very insecure. That's what this phrase means. Make me like one of your hired servants. It's not even a laborer that's on permanent staff. It's just here today, gone tomorrow. 
And the, the son was willing, his, such was his orphan spirit attitude, he was willing to be with his father in that state. And how tragic is that? Make me like one of your hired servants. Do we feel like that? Do we feel like we're just on the side of God's favour? Do we feel like that with our natural family sometimes? An orphan spirit is someone who has been deprived, remember, for whatever reasons, for proper parental love and care, without a clear identity. The other son, remember the other son in the story, demonstrates some pretty shocking attributes of the orphan spirit. In verse 28, but he was angry at the other son and would not go in to the party that the father had put on for his son who'd returned. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have served you, I neither transgressed your command at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, referring to his brother, came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Attributes of an orphan spirit, anger, fear, Insecurity, competitiveness, impending doom. There's never enough. Got to have an attitude of getting, getting, getting. A driven nature. And many other things. But just, we don't have to look too far in society to see the attributes of an orphan spirit. Some of the greatest world, or not the greatest, greatest in the wrong sense, of the world's dictator leaders. Just about all of them have had a shocking father figure in their lives. Our prisons today have men and women who have got a, had never ever had the imprint of a father upon their lives. And so they're there. But oh, the security of father. And my final point this morning is the rights of sonship. The, res, the record of confirmation, firstly, when God says, Behold, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased the results of an orphan spirit, but now the rights of sonship. And we come now to the father in the story of the prodigal son. And he says here, just in verse 31, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Here we have the full rights of sonship. Remember, this is not a gender thing. It's a daughtership thing as well. Firstly, full access to the Father. That's intimacy. That's relationship. Son, you are always with me. I think the truth of that is amazing. Whether we're dirty or clean, whether we're good or bad, whether we're happy or sad, whether we're rich or poor, educated or not, this is what we always have through Jesus Christ. Full and complete and absolute access to the Father. That's phenomenal. I think of that as mind-blowing. When I think God created the universe and flung the stars and holds them there by his word. He also created the tiniest, minutest, minuscule molecule, an atom. And yet God allows us and welcomes us as our father into his presence. Wow. Unhindered access to the father. This is sonship. This is intimacy. This is relationship. And many people are struggling to have an intimate relationship with the Father. But you need to know, you need to know, friends, that there's nothing you can do to change the fact that your access to God the Father is assured. 
through Jesus Christ, the blood and the cross of Jesus. Oh, the security of Father. Some of you will have heard of Billy Graham, great evangelist, passed away not long ago. And he was privileged to meet with many USA presidents. He was pastor to many presidents, they say. One occasion he was meeting with the president of the United States, and the phone goes. It's Billy Graham's son asking for his father. So Billy takes the phone. I mean, imagine you're meeting with the president of the United States, and the phone goes, and it's for Billy. And he takes it, and it's his son. He said, and said, Billy says, uh, son, what, what's, what do you want? What did you, why did you call? And the son said, Dad, you always said you would take the call wherever you are. Father God will always take your call. He will always take your call. Secondly, what is the full rights of sonship? Is full access to inheritance. To son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. This one we struggle with too sometimes. Provision. We have access to all that belongs to the Father as a king's kid. Not as an orphan, as a king's kid. Let's not be an audacious orphan. Let's be a humble son and daughter. And the son's lack of access to even a goat was not the father's unwillingness to give it. It was the son's unwillingness to ask for it. But we ask not as, a, not as a servant or an orphan, but as a son, as a daughter. When you pray, you're praying to God the Father as a daughter, as a son of God, not as an orphan. A boy was living in Europe, and he loses his, both his parents in a car crash. At 19, he's living as a prostitute to get his next meal. Such was his depravity and poverty. But through the ministry of some people, he comes to Christ. He's born again. He's water baptized. The leaders of that ministry take him to the local city council because years earlier, the communist rules of that country had been overthrown and the new laws were in place, meaning the assets of his parents were now his. He discovered that he is now the owner of a million-dollar CBD apartment. But he always was. He always was. Ever since his parents died, he always was. He just didn't live it. He didn't know it. And he lived as though he didn't know it. Oh, Lord, show us stuff that we don't know. Show us stuff that we need to know. Show us stuff to, to, to protect us. But show us stuff about your grace and your mercy and your glory. Amen? Final scripture, Romans chapter 8. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Wow. My wife, Wendy, has got a black belt in shopping. She can spot a bargain at 100 kilometers away. She really can. It's a gift. On occasions, I go with her <coughs> and carry the loot when we can do some of that. I was walking with her one day down the street, and I just looked 
to my right and saw myself in the reflection of the window. Not bad. A few areas that need some adjustments there. But what I actually saw was my father. Because as a young fellow growing up, I was often told, doesn't he look like his dad? The greatest privilege we can ever have is to carry the image of our father. I looked in that window and I saw myself in the areas that I need to change. But I looked in that window and I saw my father. When we look into God's word, we see the areas we need to change that needs adjustments. And he will do it by his grace. But when we look into his word, we see our father. And it's that image that he wants us to bear with tomorrow morning when we go to work or wherever we go this week to carry the image of our father. Oh, the security of father. You need to know that you're God's son. You need to know that you're God's daughter. You're loved by God. He just loves you. You have access to God the Father in Christ. God's not angry with you. There's nothing you can do to earn your standing before the Father. There's nothing you can do to lose your standing before the Father. There's nothing you can do for God to love you more. There's nothing you can do for God to love you less. And suddenly, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There's no audition for you to be you. God made you and loves you and wants to be in fellowship and communion with you. Now, I've prayed much over what to do just now, but I feel something unique, a little bit different maybe. And uh, Pastor, if you would allow me just to, this is what I want to do, what I feel is the right thing to do. If we all just stand in a minute and then as we're playing or a song or something, if you could just move forward, if you want to, the invitation is there. But the thing is, no one will pray for you. You understand? No one will pray for you. But you are coming, and this is the invitation I feel. You're coming to just stand in Father's presence and let him bless you. Let him touch you. Let him reveal stuff to you, and you can worship him. But no one will touch you. No one will pray for you. Is that okay? So let me just pray now as we close and move into that section. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our God. We thank you that you are our Father. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you've paid the price for us to be with you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we come to you through him. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is the way, but Father, you are the destination. And I pray for a revelation of our worth as sons and daughters. I pray for an understanding of how much you've loved us and you run towards us and you care for us and you forgive us and you wash us and cleanse us and equip us and give us a future and a hope. So, Lord, as we close now, I pray that you would just do your thing and touch hearts and lives as only you can. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be standing. And just move forward if that's you, just to stand here for a little while in the presence of Father.